Welcome to the Digitalization and Diversity Podcast, where we are exploring the crossroads of two hot topics, digitalization and diversity. My name is Adya and I am your host. Welcome back to the Digitalization and Diversity Podcast. On today's episode, I talk to Christoph Wegener. Christoph currently works in consulting for the public sector in Germany. He has a background in development, economics, and tourism management, and has lived in the UK, Netherlands, South Africa, Korea, and Thailand for study or work. Christoph is excited about new technologies and eager to prepare and strengthen the public sector for smarter and more sustainable concepts. Welcome, Christoph. Tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get into the field of public sector consulting? Hi, Atya. First of all, thank you so much for hosting this podcast. And let me say first what you have posted on Instagram, your quote that digitalization is the driver for diversity today is great. And I totally agree with that. I am very excited to be part of your show. And let me dive into your question. Like, so how did I get into the field of public sector consulting? First, public sector consulting firms, uh, companies that advise governments and public entities in the design of their actions. So they design public policies and execute them. And what I am doing is promoting the expansion of high-performance broadband networks across Germany in regions in which a private sector expansion has not yet been successful. And with that being said, I work for new ways of living together and working together better opportunities to participate in social life and greater economic success. I actually learned that from scratch. I learned about integration, for example, how to integrate women in society, financially and socially. I did learn about sustainability. For example, I created concepts for a more sustainable tourism industry, and I researched on social and economic development. Naturally, governments play a huge role in these processes through funding, policymaking, regulation and oversight. And those working on such topics feels um, like the right place to be. Thanks a lot for sharing your story. As you know, the theme of the podcast is digitalization and diversity. So let's start with the first part that is digitalization and how we understand the term. And digitalization for me is to leverage different technologies to create an impact. So what does the term digitalization mean for you? What digitalization means to me is what comes into my mind. Digitalization reflects society. Um, Having seen different approaches from different countries where I've been, where I've traveled, where I spoke to people, for example, there's Kakao Talk in South Korea, WeChat in China, Digitalization makes life easier and um, it can organize your personal stuff. And by that, it just reflects the the demands, the needs of society and where they want to go. And with that, um, I think to um, increase creativity, perspectives, however, digitalization can also um, integrate new groups and more flexibility. For example, um, when you think about working life, it can integrate two concepts of family and job. 
so with that being said, it, um, when I think about digitalization, what I understand by it, it optimizes processes. Uh, further, digitalization means to me, um, or what it needs, um, at the same time, a stronger need for protection of data and privacy, which could be a pitfall. But um, all in all, digitalization um, gives new advantages, for example, for home office, which also then supports new concepts for modern families. And in short, um, more chances for a better connection. Applying my understanding by the term digitalization to my professional life, I would say that we and my company understand digitalization as a transformation from um, industrial age, mm -hmm. yeah, which was by, shaped by analog technologies, yep. to the age of knowledge and creativity, yep. which is created by technologies. And that reflects that we digitalize rural areas, we develop smart concepts or um, develop intelligent strategies yep. to advance, for example, the energy transition. Mm -hmm. And I think my answer reflects the spectrum of digitalization and different approaches and that maybe one definition is probably not possible. Yeah. Um, maybe you would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I like how you have defined the term still in the broader sense that it can have benefits both for your personal as well as your professional life and the workspace. And I started my career in the private sector and the clients which I consult are also based in the private sector. What I have observed from the private sector is that there is an increasing commitment to digital transformation, as well as there is increasing investment and mm. digitalization is driven by more tangible benefits such as efficiency gains and more or improved customer experience. And there are, of course, different challenges as well in the private sector. For example, you need to do a lot of change management and adapt the corporate culture accordingly to really adopt digitalization where it makes sense. But my view is that the digital transformation concept for the public sector is still complicated. And what is your view on digitalization in the public sector? In what ways can the public sector learn from the private sector when it comes to digitalization? And it's a very good question how the public sector can learn from the private sector when it comes to digitalization. Because I think many public sector leaders have less experience of rapid um, adaptation than the commercial peers. Yep. Uh, because they have never faced commercial competition. Mm -hmm. A few organizations have invested in senior team um, capability building mm -hmm. um, to the level that leading private sector organizations have. And that can lead to a lack of confidence in digital first thinking and thought leadership and decision making. Yeah, I do think that leaders in the public sector need support too. They don't expect incisive, well-informed thinking without an investment in building the skills to do it. Yep. So I think investing in um, the adaptation of leadership is one of the most crucial things to consider. And when I think in the bigger sense and I compare digitalization across countries, especially the countries which I have lived in, Mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated by how some countries are digitally advanced than others. For example, living in the U.S. was very convenient when everything you need can be catered to by an app 
whether it's really getting a handyman or if you need somebody to assemble your IKEA furniture. And I feel that India, which is my home country, is catching up tremendously depending on where you are. And Germany still has quite a while to go. And I know that you have also a very international background. So how do you compare digital growth across the countries where you have lived in? That is uh, very, very interesting. Um, me being a native German, um, I, I have seen, of course, our um, infrastructure developments here, and I can be critical about it. And I do agree, yes, um, we're already on a very, very good standard, but there's a lot of more to improve. Uh, however, um, going to your question, how I would compare the digital growth across countries I, I've been, I've lived in, I've worked at, I, I always think back about the story when it was a while ago, and I think it was in 2017 when I've been in Southeast Asia, and I was on a research trip on Bali. I had a meal in a very remote cafe, you know, um, no hospital, no supermarket, but I had the best Wi-Fi. <laughs> and yeah. that was, if you think about it, quite fascinating, thinking about uh, yeah, our, our coverage of, of such in, in Germany. So where in the end it goes to is, from my perspective, goes to different stages of development. Germany has developed also recently, however, most infrastructure development uh, took place naturally after the, after the Second World War. And yeah. um, uh, we, we went on from that. And our, <laughs> back then, our public company, which was responsible for infrastructure and telecommunication and digitalization, built up these processes, which was back then top-notch. Yeah. Um, however, um, now this technology is, I wouldn't say rather outdated, but there are a lot of improvements to be done because the infrastructure yeah, has been developed a while ago. And thinking back on, on countries like um, yeah, in South Korea or Indonesia or um, even in some countries on, of Africa, is that they have developed recently um, they have developed in the 80s and they could look at, at some countries in the West. Yeah. They could learn from their mistakes and they could um, develop the infrastructure on a, on a very high level, I would say, yeah. where um, they can actually uh, serve uh, a, great, uh, a great coverage, for example, by having adopted very new technology, which are up to date. And that is why I would think in comparison, there are differences and yeah. um, there are differences, I would say, which are reflecting mostly on infrastructure development when it comes to digitalization. Yeah. I like how you've explained the reason behind the differences when it comes to digital maturity across countries, especially Germany versus Korea. I want to talk a bit about your background. You studied development economics in London. What is development economics? Yes, <laughs> development economics. Let me think about if I can come up with a definition of it from the textbook. I would say is a branch of economics which deals with economic aspects of the development process in low-income countries. 
And what I did, I actually specialized in concepts of poverty and inclusive development. So we were thinking about inequality and policy responses towards that. So that means we needed to define what we wanted to improve. We needed to understand inequality. Yeah. Um, we needed to understand the meaning and um, the measurement of poverty mm-hmm. and um, the nature of emergence of a precarious new middle, um, exactly what I was talking about um, of the different statuses of, of development and the maturity of that. And uh, in short, we were thinking about social policies in developing countries. Mm-hmm. And how diverse is this field? Or, or let me rephrase that. How, how important is diversity in development cooperation? Um, thank you for asking this question, because it gives me the opportunity to talk about a topic I'm very passionate about. I 100% believe and strongly stand behind that diversity is everything in development cooperation. Just by um, having studied this topic and also bringing through my work experience this topic through through the real-life experience, it is crucial or it is being showed how diversified these ideas are, this field are, the impacts are we're thinking about. Um, it's all about multi-dimensions. So that means multi-dimensions. We need people who understand these multi-dimensions. And in the past, the, the sector has been shaped by the Anglo-Saxon school of thoughts and naturally. And now to, to bring up new ideas and um, yeah, to decolonize basically the curriculum and uh, bringing people from Asia, Africa, micro-island states to the table is everything to tackle, tackle the missions we, we need to consider in, in the yeah. field and um, to really bridge the theory and, and bring it to practice. And that can only happen with diversity, with yeah. people who understand what we need to improve and people who have the um, capacity to reach out to different communities. Yeah. I mean, in the private sector, I see that there are quite a lot of DNI, so diversity and inclusion initiatives out there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there are quite a lot of initiatives which are run by nonprofits that are probably not affiliated to any particular company, but promote diversity, especially in tech, for example, there is a girl who code who try to change the stereotype of what a coder looks like and what a coder mm. does. And then there is AI for All, which is, again, a nonprofit which is dedicated to increasing the diversity and inclusion in AI education and AI development and policy with the goal to create more access for underrepresented people in the field of artificial intelligence. And you have worked across the private sector and the public sector. So what are initiatives that companies can do to contribute to diversity? Yes, Um, that's a very interesting question because it is also a highly contested question. I do believe I, I'm a fan of, of, of CSR and initiatives which are um, tackling these challenges. And also maybe there's this term greenwashing flying around. I do think that every initiative 
can have a right impact. And uh, with that being said, I do believe that first of all, you need to take a step back or companies or the public sector as well need to take a step back and need to define what do we want to tackle right now. And this is everything in order to really target the, the challenges you, you want to contribute to. And to be empathetic, to understand that we are not always right and to get people on board from um, diverse departments and um, blue-collar and white-collar workers in the end, and also to practice inclusion. For example, I'm always thinking back about South Africa, where I walked down the street and on the right side of the street, there was a township, and on the other side of the street, there was a big uh, fence with villas. And you could say such a multicultural environment, but where is the inclusion? of people living just yeah, next, to, <laughs> next to each other. So um, with that in mind, I do believe that uh, certain initiatives are particularly important. I would say that mentorship is important and training is important of young people. For example, giving opportunities for foreshadowing or second generation programs. So, and this boils down to bringing young people to the table and let them have a voice and contribute and include them by giving them an access to where they want to shine. I, I see a lot of companies setting diversity targets. So what do you think of diversity targets and what are the benefits of implementing such standards? I think diversity targets are great from a company perspective. It gives you the chance to stay ahead of, uh, of the legal requirements. At the moment, EU taxonomy here in Europe is discussed widely, and it gives you requirements for non-financial reporting, as well as requirements for voluntary reporting initiatives. And standards for both are likely to rise. So it gives does give benefits. Of, of course, it's behind that it makes the world more livable because um, we're creating a more sustainable world for a company. It reduces costs and it minimizes risks. There are, um, by defining targets and implementing them, means you can yeah, develop your own innovation processes by having a competitive advantage. Um, this yeah. is a new field where you can really have the chance to do make an impact. And above all, you attract new talent. You yeah. attract diverse new talent from all over the world, which again gives you the, the cutting edge advantage. And how can these companies which have put targets in place measure these targets? Measure these targets, again, I think definitions are crucial in order to know what you want to measure. There are different platforms out there who help companies with that. So um, there are different charters with that from international organizations who are giving that support. And in the end, it is all about providing a baseline for the future and building up on such initiatives. So yeah. implementing case studies and providing numbers is everything and this is possible. Yeah. I mean, I do think that diversity goes beyond gender, but currently a lot of the targets which are being set up by companies have the, have the gender diversity quite on a high radar. 
And there is a lot of talk regarding women quotas. So having a set percentage of women either in the management board or having a set percentage of women in the pipeline for hiring. Yes. What is your opinion on women quotas, especially the perception that companies are not hiring for the right fit or the quality of the candidate chosen for the job is compromised if you have gender quotas? Yes, thank you for bringing up that question, which is very, very interesting. Also, that naturally is a highly contested topic. Of course, um, I'm a man I'm aware of my, my background, maybe even my privilege. And of course, that is my opinion. And I agree that diversity goes beyond gender, but um, that is not the question. So I do believe a woman quarter should be there or at least to bring in more women as they are now, as discussed earlier, of all the benefits you have, not only of financial returns, but also in terms of innovation and competitive advantage. However, in addition, I do think that it starts with the hiring process, which should be more diverse, which should be measurable, which should have targets to give specifically women more chances. For example, I um, recently came across some research which proves that if the gender and yeah, which goes with the name, which goes with the picture of the candidates are being covered and where you only focus on the ability of the candidates and switching off your, your bias you might have towards any of the candidates that candidates with a more diverse background, especially women, actually being preferred, which speaks highly for a woman quarter again as well. I do want to add that I believe that maybe a woman quarter is the right thing to do now. However, for the future, companies should rather focus on initiatives on educating all genders, on educating women on opportunities, um, maybe even without a fixed path that they look for for women that they give them mentorship and that they're actually giving young girls access to their to their company and to new opportunities so altogether a woman quarter i do believe is the right thing to do when being done, done right as a closing question i would like to ask you what can we do to be more diverse or more diverse minded today I like this, this question. Um, yeah, having spent a large part of my career in tourism and all around the world, I, I love people. I believe in the beauty of, of nature and things and that there's a connection wherever you go. And yeah, to finish up this, uh, this nice talk we had, I do believe that everybody knows something you don't know. And that is why I always try to read up, listen and understand. Thanks a lot, Christoph, for sharing your ideas with me and the listeners. I wish you all the very best in your journey. Thank you, Atya. So that is it for this week's episode of the Digitalization and Diversity podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Stay tuned for the next episode where we further explore how digitalization and diversity impact each other. And subscribe to the channel to get the latest updates on new episodes.